leadership team. Well, this morning, I think I want to start out in Ephesians chapter 2. And I want to talk to you just briefly before we get into Matthew chapter 13. And I want to tell you that Jesus was calling the people. He, As He came onto the scene, uh, they were doing their own thing. They were following after uh, those who were in Judaism. They were following after the rules and regulations that their leaders had both set up and how they interpreted some of the Old Testament. And those who weren't following, they were... Uh, They were secular people. They were living their lives. And Jesus called them all. He called them all to follow Him as the King. And I I realize that we meet week after week. And hopefully as I share, um, I talk about what it means to follow after Jesus. And this morning I just feel compelled to to begin there this morning. And in Ephesians chapter 2 the, the first section there, it talks about where we are apart from Jesus. Uh, and for the, the, the group that was written to in the book of Ephesians, he talks about, he talks to them as the church in where they were apart from Jesus. And he says this in verse 1, But you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were dead. And I want to just... Uh, taking care of God's church here, I I want to remind you who have come to know Christ, and for those of you who have not come to know Christ, I want to tell you that apart from Jesus, we are dead. We are spiritually dead. There's nothing that we can do. We can have the semblance of life. We can go about doing good works, but spiritually we're dead. We we fumble around trying to make ourselves look good, dress things up, but we're dead inside. And apart from what Jesus has done on the cross, we will remain dead, spiritually dead. As you look down at Ephesians chapter 2, it says, We are dead in our trespasses and sin, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's what we were. Uh, I'd love to take more time to talk about that, but I won't this morning. In verse 4 it says this, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, this is what it says, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. I want to tell you that uh, there's only one way to be alive in, in your spirit. You, you spiritually have life. It's through Jesus Christ and Him alone. It's not by things that you would do. He, he makes sure that you know that you can't earn it and, and do it by good things that you can do in the flesh. He says, it's by grace you have been saved. And I want to tell you this morning, 
Uh, this is all you get this morning. Uh, I want you to know that we as a church, we as God's people, we extend a hand on behalf of the Savior and say, you need to be alive in Christ. You need to no longer live in your spiritual deadness, but to come alive in Christ by believing in Him. This is what it means. And as as Jesus, the King, was calling them away from their lives, doing whatever they were doing, trying to be spiritual or not trying to be spiritual, He was calling them to Himself. And Jesus, in the book of Matthew, had not died yet in history, uh, but this is what He was calling them to, Himself. Himself being the one, the sacrifice that would take them from being dead in their sins to being alive with Him. Turn over in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. And we will continue to look at uh, the parable of the sower. If you have questions about the gospel, I'd love to talk to you afterwards. What it means to be alive in Christ. I'd love to talk to you more. you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you the parable of the sower, um, starting at verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. Uh, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what has been sown in his heart. This is what is sown along the path. As for what is sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for the one who, what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world And the deceitfulness of riches choke the world, choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for the one that was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. God, I ask your blessing on your word as we look at it this morning. Uh, I ask that you would do your work uh, that only you can do and cause us to have life and to grow. God, thank you uh, for your love and your patience with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So the sower is sowing seed and Jesus is talking to his disciples and most likely others. Uh, that were followers of his. And, and he describes this picture of sowing seed on different kinds of soil. And you have a picture of the sower uh, sowing it everywhere, on the, on the path, on rocky soil, on thorny soil, and on good soil. He's tossing it. He's, it seems like he's unconcerned about how much seed he uses, but he's just sowing seed. He's throwing it out there. And you have these different soils and the soils determine whether the, the seed will take root and not just take root, 
but that it would produce. And I can't get away from that idea of producing. This morning, and as I look at this parable, the sower is not going out there uh, for no reason at all. He is going out that it would produce, that it would, in the end, be worth it, it that it would produce beyond uh, the seed's own life or existence. We, we've looked at really the first three soils, but I want to go back to the third one uh, because I, I believe that it has something for us here. It's something peculiar to us. It's something that would resonate with us here in Tehachapi. Um, how many of you have not lived in Tehachapi your whole life? It's quite a few of you. Um, there's not too many who have, and uh, those who have lived in Tehachapi their whole life, you can tell. Um, I'll just leave it at that, okay? Um, Maybe good, might be bad, it might be a combo platter, right? You know, uh, we have come from other places. Uh, we have done other things, but as he gathers us here in this place, even in this Sunday, I want you to know that uh, we gather together, we congregate in this city uh, because we're driven by similar things. And this might be a temptation for us, what we're going to talk about this morning in verse 22. In the thorny soil, it says this. It, it, it speaks of, it says, As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. And I, I keep coming back to this idea that here's the word. All the soils, part of sowing is that you would hear the message of Jesus. At this point, it's the message of the kingdom. He is later going to die and be risen again and as, as that comes about, he charges the disciples as he leaves the earth to set up his church. And so as the disciples go out, they call people to Jesus and call them to be part of the body of Christ. Members not by the membership class, but by connection with Jesus. And as, as we think about that, as we consider that, uh, I, I want you to know that it's about hearing the Word of God. Knowing the message of Jesus. Why is the Bible important? It's simply important because it is the place, the place, the only accurate place where we get the message of Jesus. The message of the Savior. The, the message uh, of, of the one who paid for the church. And so Jesus says this, he says, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But it says this immediately, he says, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. In other translations, it says the worries of the world, the worries of the world. And, and the picture here is this. There's a distinction. It's, it's drawing us to look at um, the ball that floats in the air. The earth. And, and he's separating the worries of the world from those things that are eternal. And I, I think that 
we all can uh, give great examples and illustrations of worries of the world or cares of the world just from last week. Were there any worries of the world in your life last week? Did you get bothered and irritated and frustrated and stressed out from things that are passing? You look at this and you hear it in in the lives of people who go through a difficult time and even the death of a loved one. They say, oh, those other things, they don't seem to matter anymore. When that's the case, when those things you realize that you're worrying about, when they don't have a lifespan longer than what's down here, that's a care of the world. That's a worry of things that are bound down here. And he says, that's a danger or that's, um, th- that's something that will choke out. It, it will choke out the, the eternal word, the, the, the relationship that you can have with Jesus being the new king. And you say, well, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Why should that which is temporary become more important than that which is eternal? Jesus' point. He says, you don't want that which is temporary to choke out that which is eternal. And yet it does. Yet it does. You you can look back to your last week, maybe even this morning, and, and things that were bothering you, things that were setting your schedule, things that were driving your day, will they matter? Or is it just something temporary? Is it just something that uh, is for down here? I, I don't want you to, I want to be careful here. This, our lives are filled with a lot of nothing, okay? Every one of us, every one of us, even if we think we're living a real important life, there's some things that just aren't all that important. In fact, there's things that we do every day, every day. So if you do them every day, they can't be all that important, right? Especially if you have to do them again. For instance, eating. It's not that important, right? Why? Because you're going to have to do it again. Most of us every two to three hours, right? It's something you have to do again. And so for us to stress and put energy and time and even worship into these things, that's not a good idea. Why? Because it's temporary. Jesus said, you know, this is one of the dangers to choke out life. The message of Jesus, it'll choke it out. As you look at this, you say, well, I, I can relate to that. Um, it says the cares of the world or the worries of the world. And then he, he couples that with the other one. The deceitfulness of riches. And I, I struggled to know how these two fit together. It's not that they don't, but they, they, they are very closely related. Um, I, I'm not sure that they're all that different. I think worries of the world is kind of a general umbrella term for all the things that we worry about. And then I think he picked riches to be the one that maybe we worry about most. Maybe is connected so much to the worries of the world. Uh, we worry about uh, having enough money to pay for things that we think we need. I'm the only one. 
you guys look at me like, what's, what's your problem, Pastor? I got all kinds of problems. You got a while? We could sit down and talk. Um, it, riches are not, you know, there's something fun about collecting things that are worthless, right? You know, we like rocks or whatever. But it, the reason we want to collect riches is because what the, it can do. And part of riches, the idea of collecting riches is that it will get us what we want. It will solve problems. I'm worried about my car. It's going to break and this and that. But if I had a lot of money, I'd just buy a new car and then it wouldn't break. It'll fix all my problems. If I just had more money, every, all my problems would go away. I have health problems and, you know, I'm, I'm worried about this or that. And I wonder, but if I just had enough money, I could get all the doctor's care that I need and all the medicines and I could be fixed. Money will solve my problems. Uh, I hope you're catching that line right there. Money will solve my problems. That's a lie. That's a lie. It's the deceitfulness of riches that says, if I have riches, if I have a little bit more, if I have enough for this, that my problems will go away and life will be good. That's the deceitfulness of riches. That's the lie that riches tells us. That's what we believe. Um, as I look at these two things, I, I pictured as I was studying uh, two huge bags of groceries, huge bags of groceries, heavy and, and round. And I, I pick up one, I pick up one and I have it here and it's, I, it's pretty heavy, but I'm so strong, you know, and I hold this one here and I go, I can handle this. These are the things that I'm grabbing hold of. These are the worries of this world. And the other bag is equally as heavy and equally as large. And I grab the other one. And this is the deceitful. This is riches. And I grab hold of it. The, the energy that it takes. And I'm holding on to these. And then I'm offered Christ. I'm offered Jesus. And I think to myself, I look at it and I go, it looks good. And I say, sure, give it to me. I, I think I can do three. I think, I, no, I can't really do three. I could sit. No, I don't. I could set this one down, but I got so many problems. I got to take care of them. And I'm the only one that's going to take care of my life. I got to take care of it. Uh, riches. No, you know, riches, they're going to help me with this stuff. over, So I can't. And, and I'm mulling this over and I'm going, you know what? I, I, I don't have any room for another. I can't. I, I can't handle another. Bag. I can't handle removing one of these that I might get that chokes it out, chokes it out. It makes it so Jesus has no place in us. He warns us, he warns the sower that for some, the worries of this world and deceitfulness of riches will somehow leave no room for the seed to grow, that it might be what God wants it to be. I don't know what that is for you. I don't know if it's just your schedule. You're just too busy for Jesus. I don't know if uh, 
there's too many opportunities to to earn wealth and so you're chasing after those things and just saying just give me a little bit more for those of you who are parents I don't, I don't know what it is for you but some of us are convinced that uh, somehow we have to cram into our kids all these different things and activities that we have no time for the Lord Jesus Christ we uh we do this lesson and that lesson and we're involved in this sport and that sport and then we do uh, travel this and travel that and um, we're convinced that our kid's going to go pro on something. Um, probably not. Uh, they're probably not. I mean, very few, very few and... Uh, as one man said, yeah, very few make it, and the ones that make it are miserable. <laughs> Is that what you want for your kid, or do you want your kid to know Jesus? That takes some scheduling, right? That takes some saying no to some things. Get good at it. Because uh, if you say yes to everything, you'll be holding, you will be holding these huge bags and no room for Jesus. No room. It's the thorny soil. It chokes it out. And I want to tell you the danger or the reason this is so so important. Look at the outcome. Look at what happens to, to that thorny soil. What does it say? And it proves unfruitful. Proves unfruitful. Why was the seed planted? Was it planted to just look good? Was it planted as just a discipline to throw into the soil? Was it planted even to grow? No. It was planted to produce, to become fruitful. Jesus doesn't define in this passage what it means to be fruitful. But throughout the New Testament, you have this picture that when Jesus enters a life, that it changes that life, their spiritual fruit that is produced in that person. And it is for that person, it changes that person's life, but it also changes every person's life that meets that person. In Galatians chapter 5, it speaks of the fruit of the Spirit, and it says it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You look at those and you say, that's how he's going to change me. If Jesus has his way with me, if his seed goes into me and causes me to be changed and grow and to have life, this is what's going to happen. And out of that, you, you get this picture that Jesus changes us and then he changes others by interaction with us. It changes us. The people that we know, the family members that we have. You know what? Parents, grandparents, your greatest mission field, your most obvious mission field is your offspring. It's your first line of defense. That's your your job right in front of you. But this is what's going to happen. This is how he does this. He changes you, causes you to grow, and then it blesses those around you. It changes your children. 
It changes your siblings and your extended family. It changes your interactions with your neighbor or your coworker. This is what Jesus does. And he says, I, I, I desire that the, the sower sows so that it would be fruitful. But if you cling to these things, you will become unfruitful. Nothing will be produced from your life. It may be us. It may be us. Well, in verse 23, he goes to the good soil. And very simply, Jesus states this in contrast to the other three, especially in stark contrast to the first soil. He says, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it and understands it. This simple hearing of the word and it making sense in their heart and and it's causing to be received. And it's the idea that it is believed and trusted in. I, I say in stark contrast because the first soil that was looked at, the path, it says, uh, the one who hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. This is the complete opposite. He hears the word and understands it. It says this, he indeed bears fruit. Bears fruit. This beautiful picture that the sower sows the seed, it grows It has a a plant and that plant produces fruit and it's there and it comes to fruition. This is what Jesus desires. Bears fruit. But not just bears fruit, it yields. It yields. And it says this, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. You get this picture and and, uh, you take this one small seed and out of that one seed, you have this multiplying effect that goes on. Uh, some have written in area Bible was written, they were hoping for yields of one to eight, one to eight. That that was what was produced in that area at that time with those farming techniques, one to eight. So as they would hear this, they would go, a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. That's that's amazing. That those are huge numbers. That's the idea of something a supernatural going on there. And Jesus says, "Yes, yes." When I am at work, when I am the one who provides the seed, and if I'm sowing Jesus, or if you're sowing on my behalf, this is what happens. I find it interesting that he just doesn't say in another place as it talks singularly. But Matthew makes the point 160-30. That even the response to the gospel is greater or the response to following after Christ. There's a, there's a change there. There's even a distinction in between receiving it. All of them great. All of them great. But some of those off the chart great. Off the chart. I look at I look at these and I go, this this is such an obvious story. Where, where do we want to be? What do you want to be a part of? 
you know, what, what is it that you want to see happen both in your life and in this church? Good soil. Good soil. The sower plants seeds. That the seeds grow. And not just that the seeds grow, but that they produce, they bear fruit. And in amazing ways. I want to tell you this. He uses numbers. He uses numbers. But know this. That spiritual growth isn't all about numbers. It's about you being transformed. It's about your family being transformed. Being what Christ wants your family to be. It's about uh, your family, these people that we're sharing with. It's that they would be changed. And I want you to get this. This is super important. This is not about our own kingdom. This is not about our own kingdom. I shared with the men last night that, that we struggle. We struggle with seeking greatness. Thinking that if we have a larger church or if we have a, a larger job, if we have a, a larger house or a, a, whatever it is, more of something, that that will make us great. But I, I want you to know this, that this is the, the sower's business. This is his crop. That we are just a vehicle that we would somehow, some way, that we would reproduce and that we would be what God wants us to be and that he would have his way and that the world would look on and say, amazing, amazing crop. This is not about us being great, but that the Lord would do his work. Just a few thoughts as we conclude this morning. Sow seeds. Sow seeds. Be about the Lord's business. Think about it. Figure out where He wants you to play. Figure out how you can do it. Be captivated by it. Be captivated by it. Have it be the thought that you go back to. Make sure that you're not trying to build your own kingdom. But sow seeds. Expect this. And don't fear it either. Different outcomes. Some people won't like the message. Some people won't have time for it. Some people will walk away, fall away, run away. They'll do it all. Uh, but this is not, uh, this is the work of the Lord. It's His business. There will be different outcomes. And I, I want to tell you, as God does His work, some of the outcomes will be out of control good. <laughs> out of control good. I say it that way because it's spring here in Bear Valley Springs, right? And when I think of things that are out of control, I think of the weeds here. They're out of control and they're growing. And for those of you uh, kids who do weed whacking, you're in for a bumper crop this year, okay? Uh, But I want to tell you that for some, There will be out of control good that we will be able to witness and see the amazing work of the Lord as he intended it. Please join with me in prayer. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. God, I ask that you would include us in your process. That your desire for sowing seeds, for it to go into good soil and that it would reproduce and uh, bear fruit. Lord, I, I ask that you would use us. I ask that you'd give us eyes to see. Ask that you would make us disciplined with our schedule to say no to this, no to this, so that we can serve you and chase after you. 
God, do your work in us now. Uh, Do this work in your church, I pray. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed. Sing like-